0: Welcome to Van Gogh Notes for Biology, Science for Life, 2nd Edition, by Colleen Belk and Virginia Borden. Chapter 1. Can Science Cure the Common Cold? Introduction to the Scientific Method. Section 1. Big Ideas. Chapter 1 of your textbook introduces you to science and how scientists work. It describes the process that scientists follow and how scientists, and you, can evaluate scientific information. This is accomplished in your text by presenting stories from everyday life to help you more clearly understand scientific and biological concepts. Have you ever caught a cold and wondered how to get over it more quickly? Chapter one uses ideas you might have about avoiding or curing a common cold as the story that ties together the scientific concepts discussed in its two main sections. But before we discuss how scientific information can be evaluated, how is scientific information created? At the core of the process of science is the hypothesis, which might be the most important term in all of science. A hypothesis is an idea or possible explanation for a question, and this explanation stems from one or more observations. You create hypotheses all the time in your everyday life. For example, if you have a cold, you might think it's a good idea to drink a lot of orange juice. When you get a disappointing test score, you might think, I'll do better next time if I study more. All sorts of factors, from the scientific and logical to the intuitive and creative shape hypotheses. There is an important distinction, though, between a scientific hypothesis and a hypothesis generated in daily life. The key way in which a scientific hypothesis differs is that it is subjected to painstaking testing and retesting. A scientific hypothesis must be both testable and falsifiable. This means that if there is no way to scientifically test whether a hypothesis is wrong, then it can't be scientific. For example, you might say, I play better tennis when I've got my mojo. Since your mojo isn't something that can be measured, it can't be tested. If it isn't measurable and it isn't testable, there is no way to scientifically determine if your hypothesis is true or false. You may want to review Figure 1.2 in your textbook, which is a flowchart of hypothesis testing using the common cold example. It illustrates how scientific knowledge is advanced by the rejection of false ideas. It is a key fact of science that no hypothesis can ever be proven absolutely true. Scientists always leave room for the possibility that, no matter how convincing a hypothesis and how conclusively it has been tested, there may be another, better explanation that has not yet been considered and tested. This may strike you as surprising, but the discussion of the experimental method on pages 5 through 9 of your book describes how the rigorous rules applied to scientific experiments make it possible for hypotheses to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt and thus applied to make our lives better. We'll now go through some of the key ideas behind the experimental method. Another core term for you to review is the scientific theory. A scientific theory is an explanation but not necessarily the final conclusive explanation of a scientific investigation. A scientific theory is a reasonable explanation of a related set of observations and usually leads to new questions for further experiments. For example, the germ theory is the premise that microorganisms are the cause of some or all human diseases. This theory, which has been widely accepted for about 100 years, arose from accumulated observations and experiments that led to a logical conclusion. It is typical of generally accepted scientific theories, in that it was sparked by the hypotheses of many scientists being tested through experiments by many different lines of independent research. Let's talk a bit more about experiments. Specifically, controlled experiments, because they are a crucial way that a scientific theory gains acceptance. In a controlled experiment, subjects are randomly assigned into two groups, the experimental group and the control group. Both groups receive identical treatment, except for the single factor. The experimental group receives the treatment under investigation, while the control group does not. In a well-designed experiment, where the results of the two groups differ, that difference is presumably due to the one experimental treatment. For example... Two groups of individuals might be asked to try a cold treatment. One group receives an actual treatment, such as echinacea tea. This is the experimental group. The other group, the control group, receives a cup of tea that does not contain echinacea extract. The two groups then rate the effectiveness of their treatment to reduce their cold symptoms. If the experimental group feels that their echinacea tea is more effective at reducing their cold symptoms than does the control group, the presence of the echinacea extract could explain the observed result. That is an example of a controlled experiment. Scientists and human research subjects can be prone to bias that can affect the results of an experiment. To limit this possibility, experimental subjects are not told whether they are part of the experimental group or the control group. This is called a blind experiment. In a double-blind experiment, both the subjects and the researcher are kept in the dark about what is expected from the experiment. Testing hypotheses through controlled experiments on humans is not always possible, so non-human model organisms are often used instead these results are often not directly transferable to humans and ethical questions about the use of non-human animals are increasingly being raised. Another way that scientists can test hypotheses is to study the correlation between two variables. Figures 1.8 and 1.9 of your textbook offer good summaries of some of the factors involved in correlation testing. Okay, Let's move on to a review of statistics. Statistics are widely used to evaluate the information, also known as the data, that results from scientific experiments. Experiments are usually conducted on small fractions of a population, and statistical tests are used to extend the results from that small sample to the whole population. Since chance, or a sampling error, can play a strong role in the differences between experimental and control groups, statistical tests are used to measure the role of chance. Statistically significant results are those that are very unlikely to have been the result of a sampling error. Figure 1.11 of your text presents a useful flowchart summarizing statistical significance. The second section of chapter 1 briefly discusses how scientific information is evaluated. Looking critically at experiments and information can help you make well-informed decisions about what to believe, what decisions to make, how to be a more intelligent consumer of information. Scientists also critically evaluate experimental information among themselves. This is called peer review, meaning that scientists comment on and critique their colleagues' experiments and results. These results can be communicated to the scientific community in primary sources, such as scientific journals. A primary source means that the scientists write their own research articles about their experiments, results, and conclusions. Scientific findings that survive a certain level of scrutiny by their peers are subsequently published in secondary sources, such as newspapers, magazines, television, and the Internet. It is at this point that most individuals read about the information and must determine, as informed consumers, how valuable this information is. Of course, there is no shortage of information in the mass media that claims to be scientific, but which has not gone through any rigorous scientific scrutiny or vetting. One of the key goals of this course is to allow you to become an intelligent and thoughtful judge of what is scientific and reliable and what is just called scientific, but which in fact has little or no scientific value, this chapter has been an important step in that educational process. That's the end of this section.